was always the last one talking. That's okay. We'll, we'll start. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I'm interrupting you for a minute. I know what you're saying. Okay, so the ladies were there yesterday, right? The ladies shot yesterday. And he said that they missed 74 times. I say 74 because this man is 74 years old today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I thought I was 73, but Cook said that was yesterday. Today I'm 74. So, <laughs> so let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Thank you all. All right. Now, since, we, since we've established this procedure from now, when you have a birthday, you come up here and we sing happy birthday to you. <laughs> okay. Here, I'm going to start with the most important things first. Yesterday, we took the ladies out to shoot. We shot five or 600 rounds of ammo yesterday. There will not be any wildlife on Gary Cook's place for six months. They're not coming back, believe me. Okay, and let me tell you something. These ladies are well armed. And that one right there can shoot the bullseye. So we, uh, we had a great time. Uh, I think if you talk to the ladies and the guys that went out to help both, uh, we all had a great time, and um, of course we fed them breakfast. So y'all missed the breakfast, you missed the gun shoot. So keep it in mind for next time, and talk to these ladies. I think they'll tell you what a great time it was. Okay, for our youth, from now on, our new time to feed is 6:30. Kim uh, works and cannot get here quite that early, so we're going to change it a little bit. We're going to start feeding at 6:30. So if you're on the list to feed youth, and I'm not sure who all is. If you are, you know you are. But the time from now on is 6.30, okay? Just um, that gives her a little bit more time. And so gives her time to get here and, and maybe talk to the kids and pray a little bit and then eat. So keep that in mind for that. Okay, that's that one. Okay. Also, Primetimers is back. That's going to be October 28th at 12. Uh, potluck and games in the fellowship hall. So keep that in mind. Okay, that's, uh, we don't, we hadn't been making all these announcements because there's just so many of them, but that's okay. Uh, there's a meeting today for the trunk or treat people, okay? Okay. Okay. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who came out and helped um, fill bags. We filled 200 candy bags yesterday. Yes. And we had people go out into the neighborhoods and send out uh, flyers and hang door, uh, door hangers to promote the trunk or treat. So I want to say thank you for everybody who helped with that. Um, 
tomorrow we're getting together at 9.30. We need more people to come because we have a lot more to hand out. And the more we get into the neighborhood, the more we can get the word out about this and promote the trunk or treat and bring the kids in. I mean, look around at all the empty seats. We want to fill them up, right? So let's get out and reach them and go talk to them. Um, some people met some really nice families that needed prayer and that were, you know, looking for help and they're hungry. They know we're here, but we got to go get them. We got to go talk to them. So tomorrow, 930, if you can't walk around, you can come and bring your car and we can drive. I can't walk down the roads. So let's all get together as many people as we can. The meeting after church this morning is to talk about things that we still need, go over um, where everybody's going to park, where we're going to put things, and donations, candy, candy, candy. Thank you so much for the candy that's out there. And Randy, we found an empty paper wrapper. Fox guard the chickens. <laughs> uh, no, we had to laugh about it because we did find one and all the jokes you make. So we're like, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, so after church, if you can stay, we need more cars. And I'm really excited about this. I don't know if you guys are, but we got a lot of fun things planned. And there's some families that are really looking forward to you know, coming out for this. So after church and the sign, did you guys notice the sign on the bank? Isn't that awesome? And we've got uh, two photo ops we're going to do um, out on this entrance. There's a tiny little picture frame that's for kids. Yeah, kids can take pictures over there too. Um, so we'll see you after church today, after service day. We've got fruit, cookies, so we can get this going. I'll say for cookies. <laughs> okay, one more little tidbit of information you might be interested in is we got all the tables out of Stacy's classroom for the gun shoot yesterday. We didn't bring them back. She got here this morning and swore up and down there was a table rapture went on and they would just disappear. So I got them back. So in case she starts talking about them being missing, don't worry about it. They're, they're back here now. But I just had a good time with that part right there. Um, next Sunday is Pastor Appreciation Day. Bring cards or gifts or whatever you want to, or just go up and shake his hand and hug his neck. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But next Sunday night after church, we're having cake and something to drink. Punch, okay, cake and punch uh, after church next Sunday night. So it'll be an opportunity to... Uh, for those of you that's never met him, I hope you all have. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's, he kind of hides sometimes around places. and just he, he usually comes out when there's not any more work to be done. <laughs> so if, if, there's any, if there's any work to be done, you're not going to find him. But after that, you, you can catch up with him. But anyhow, we do appreciate him, and we love him, and we're going to show that next week uh, with Pastor Appreciation Day and cake and punch after service. Okay, now then... I'm going to remind you, other than this morning, if you have an offering, put it in the uh, receptacles outside. That's Sunday night and Wednesday night. But on Sunday morning, we're going to pass the bag and let you fill it up. So, gentlemen, come on.
Okay, I will say nobody brought a machine gun yesterday. <laughs> so that's you're, you're safe on that aspect. Okay, Brother Ron, would you say a prayer over offering, please? Amen. songs we're singing, these songs bring back such fond memories of a time that I came alive in Jesus. Who has heard or who has been to the Brownsville Revival years ago? Anybody know about it? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, so um, that was just a time in my life. I think I was 15 when I went the first time, and I came back. I went there someone, and I came back someone else. Um, the other night I listened to these songs again and I was just experiencing the same joy and the same excitement that I experienced the first time back then. Uh, and it was, it was just, a, a, I, I had a great time. <laughs> um, but I want you to remember a time in your life where you were just totally in love with Jesus and wanting nothing more than to serve him. If you're there now, that's phenomenal. If, if you've never been there, you've never considered Jesus the love of your soul, get ready. Um, or if you're like I was a year ago, maybe you lost that passion to talk about Jesus to everyone. Maybe you've wondered if you would ever want to be around people again. Maybe you've wondered if you would ever feel like singing again. And somewhere along the way, you realize you've lost your first love. Somewhere amongst the pain, the turmoil, and constant storms, the once consuming fire of God has been snuffed out to just an ember. Well, I'm here to tell you that God is in the restoration business. He's in the fan flaming business, the flame fanning business. He's in the resurrection business. He's in the bondage breaking business. He is in the purifying fire business. So God, help us return to our first love. Let us look up, focus on your son. It's time to wake up, you saints of God. It's time to come alive again. It's time to speak to the dry bones of your soul and say, come alive, you dry bones. the Lord has done in me. 
revive us. We give you our shame. We give you our losses. We give you our broken expectations. Come in and sweep the cobwebs of our souls. Cleanse us, God. Make us new and alive again. Let the King of Glory in. 
is in all 
Have you not heard that I am the everlasting God and I love you? I love you more than you can even understand. I am everlasting. I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. I sent my son to die on the cross for you. That's how much I love you. If you've ever doubted my love, look at the cross. Look at my son. I love you. Would you sing, It's Your Breath? I want you, church, real quick. They're going to sing that song, the song that they sang, Breathe on Me, Lord, or breathe, you know what I'm talking about. I want you this morning, I really sense God's presence here this morning. Would you just stretch out your hands to the Lord this morning? When you raise up your hands, it's a sign of surrender and receiving from God. God wants to do something in your heart this morning. Let him do it. Sing to him. Sing to him. He loves to hear the sings of his pra and praises of his people.
in this place this morning. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to how much you love us. God, we often look at all the other things, but we forget that you are love. God is love, and if we are in you, then we're going to love. And So God, you are love, and when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a banner, and that banner is love. God, you are our love. You're our protection. You're our guide. If God is for you, then who can be against you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He is mighty. He is awesome. He is wonderful. He is almighty God, and he loves us. Hallelujah. God, I pray that we would get that down in our hearts this morning. If we've ever doubted that you love us, speak to us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said Amen. Amen. Yeah, give God a clap. You may be seated this morning. Thank you. I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back at this time. Is this yours, Dan? I'm going to do something I haven't done for a while, but uh, I think it's important. How many of you guys know this saying, God is good? All All right, all the time? All right. I like doing that once in a while, and it just reminds you how good God's goodness is. Um, Throughout the whole service, it started in Sunday school this morning. I really feel like we need to go to Psalm 139 this morning. Um, Psalm 139. It's a Psalm of David. Um, scholars aren't quite sure when he wrote it. The Bible talks about David having a heart after God. And uh, even with all the mistakes he made, and David made mistakes. How many of us have made mistakes? How many of us still make mistakes? Yeah, amen. And yet God called him a man after his own heart. I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, let us have a heart that's after God this morning. So we're going to read Psalm 139, we're going to go through it, we're going to pray, and we're going to see what God's going to do in our hearts this morning. 
Psalm 139, again, a Psalm of David. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, and before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hide those, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I have no idea how you're going to move this morning. You've just laid scriptures on my heart. You know who needs to hear this message. Of course, all of us do. But there's those this morning that came that need to hear this particularly for their own life. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts this morning. Make the soil of our hearts soft and pliable for the seed of your word to be planted and germinate and to grow. I pray, Father, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me, Lord, by the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Speak through me, not with man's eloquence, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that lives are changed this morning. Again, we thank you that, Lord, you are here and you're speaking to us. Open up our ears to hear and to listen to what your Spirit says this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. David begins this psalm and he says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God knows every single one of us. He has searched each one of us and he knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. He knows our desires, our passions. He knows our struggles. He knows the problems that we're going through. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. That means he knows all things. He's everywhere. And he's all-powerful. David recognized this and this is a man after God's own heart, and yet he says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. Is God searching you this morning, and does he know you? 
He says, you know, when I sit and when I rise, hey, God knew when you were going to come in here this morning. Anybody ever have a rough trip from home to church? Either the kids are acting up or the things aren't going right or you have an attitude or somebody, I share this a lot, but it, it must happen to me a lot, but cuts you off in traffic or something. God saw that this morning. He knew when you would sit down this morning. Look at this. You perceive my thoughts from afar. The scripture says God knows when a hair falls from our head. I've noticed as I'm getting older, thankfully, now I better not say it because if my dad's ever watching, I'll get in trouble. But he took off to one side of my family where he's missing most of his hair. But I'm starting to get that receding hairline. God knew when those hairs were going to fall out. In fact, what the scripture says that God has, knows all the stars and he's named all the stars. That's how big our God is. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. God knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, the scripture says that our hearts are wicked. People say follow your heart. It usually leads to bad things. Hold your spot here and go with me to Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. Actually, I got it wrong. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. See, God knew I'd make that mistake this morning. Jeremiah chapter 1. Look at me in verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. This is when God calls Jeremiah to prophesy against Israel and their apostasy against him. And he says, the word of the Lord came to me. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, God knew you. That's why life is so important. That's why life starts in the womb. God knows everything about us. He knew you. If you're beating yourself up today and you feel bad about yourself, remember this, that God knew you. God formed you in the womb. And I believe that God has set all of us apart to do works for him, but we have to choose his salvation. We have to choose to do those things he's called us to. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God is Elohim. In Hebrew, it's plural. That's where we get God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I just watched a, I watched a really cool thing earlier this uh, last week or the week before. and it, Literally, God's name is on Jerusalem. And it uses the, the, the phrase shin, which is in three points. And it literally covers the city of Jerusalem. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that middle line goes right there to where the, te the temple is, uh, on the temple mount. It's where Jesus died and Mount Moriah. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Look in verse 26. Then God said, let us, plural, make man in, in what? In our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Of all of God's creation, none of it's made in his image except for us. Not even the angels in heaven are made in God's image. The Bible says that angels are ministering spirits to minister to us that will inherit salvation. If you've ever doubted God's love for you this this morning, if you've ever doubted whether God cares about you, He made you in His image. That's how important you are to God. But pastor, you don't know what I've done this week. No, but that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross for those very things. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. Let's go back to Psalm 139. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God made you just the way that you are. I used to struggle as a kid with being short. Everybody's laughing. Yes, I am short. I always thought, man, I'm going to be taller than my dad. My dad's taller than I am. When I was in eighth grade, all my friends were the same height as I, I was. I came back my ninth grade year. They all grown. I don't know what happened to me. But that's the way God made me. You have to come to a point where you accept the way that God made you. There's no other person just like you. We're all unique. I'm very thankful that there's not another person like me. Because I wouldn't get in a word edgewise. God knew I could talk. There's one good thing about being short, though. Dynamite comes in small packages. They used to call me Scrappy-Doo when I was in the military. We had a... Guy, we called him Sasquatch. His name was Davies, and he was 6'5". And I wrestled in high school. I was a varsity wrestler. And uh, he was 6'5", and he was from Washington State. We used to call him, again, Sasquatch because he was so big. He was hairy, too. <laughs> and he was picking on one of the guys in our shop, and I came up behind him, and you called a souffle, and I grabbed my arms around him, and I picked him up big enough just to drop him to the ground. Until he rolled over on top of me. <laughs> I say that, and I, 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 I make it fun, but you've got to learn to love the way God made you. God knows you're discerning. He knows when you go out and when you lie down. He is familiar with all of your ways. Nothing is going to shock God about you. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. In fact, Jesus says we will be judged by our thoughts and by every idle word that comes out of our mouth. So it's a good reminder to all of us, how are we talking about others? What do we say behind their back? 
How do we talk about ourselves? When you say bad things about yourself, you are telling God he messed up. Verse 5, you hemmed me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Meaning that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't figure God out. Don't try to figure God out. Quit trying to figure out how he's going to lead and guide you. When it says, his word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. It literally means that they had lamps that were this small. And it would light up just enough so that they could see for the next footstep. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today, for each day has its own worries. Meaning that whatever God's doing in your life, trust him for today. Stop worrying about tomorrow. He will take care of that. He's your provision. He loves you. His ways are higher than your ways. He's got plans for you. Says the righteous man's steps are ordered of the Lord. Many of the man's plans of a man's heart, but God determines his steps. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? The, the word spirit's capitalized, which is the Holy Spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. You cannot escape from God's presence. If you're running from God today, he's going to get your attention. If you never submit to him, one day you're going to have to give an account and you still cannot run from his presence. One of the greatest sermons I ever heard Charles Stanley preach on is that God still loves those that are in hell. He still loves them. Hell was not created for us. He was created for Satan and his demons. People choose to go there. You can't run from God's presence. Instead of running from God like Jonah did, embrace his presence. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved this morning, today's the day of salvation. I share the gospel wherever I go. I, I love it. It's infectious. It's exciting. When you lead somebody to the Lord, it is exciting. Because they're going from death to life. So he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Again, he says, if I were to go up to the heavens, you are there. How many of us are ready for that day? One of these days, I, you hear me say it every Sunday, and I'm going to keep repeating it. And you're going to get so tired of it. You're going to be pastor. You keep talking about that trumpet call, and one day it's going to happen to go, oh, you were right, pastor. Right? Okay, I'm just. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, that means the depths. The farthest, deepest area. You can't flee from God's presence. That's how much he loves you. You can't flee from him. Then he says this, If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's right hand is Jesus Christ. 
When you read in the Old Testament and you read that in the Psalms and you read that in Isaiah, it's speaking of God, speaking of Christ. He's at the right hand of the Father. In fact, the scripture says that Jesus intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Think about that. The word intercession means to pray on behalf of another. God, Jesus, is praying on your behalf. That means if you came in here carrying a burden, Jesus is praying for you. Think about that. The Son of God, He is Almighty God. He is the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor, Almighty God is praying for your protection, for your success, all that you are. And am I preaching like a fire and brimstone preacher evangelist today? You bet I am. There's times I'm laid back and there's times that God wants to speak to you because you need to know that God loves you. How many of us sometimes... We know that God loves us, but we don't always get it. And then there's those moments when we need him to speak to us, and he speaks to us, and we're reminded of his love. I don't think we quite understand God's love until we get to heaven. We're not going to completely understand it until we get there of how much he truly, truly loves you and I. Verse 11, he says, if I, if I say surely darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Again, that's omnipresent. God is everywhere. Omnipotent, he's all-knowing. Omniscient, he's all-powerful. God knows and sees and, and, and does whatever he pleases. He sees whatever he wants. He knows all things. You cannot hide from God. If you're hiding from God today, go home and read your Bible about Jonah who thought he could run from God and hide. If you're running from God and what he's wanting you to do, quit running. It'll just make your life miserable. Verse 13, this is one of my favorite passage, verses in this passage here. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's Womb. Let me stop there. You're not an accident this morning. Listen, everything that's happened in our lives is because we live in a fallen world. The bad things that have happened in our life is because we live in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they brought death to us. Physical and spiritual death. Sin entered the world at that moment. And so if there's bad things that have happened to your life, does God permit it? Yes. But God will permit things to bring you to him. God says a broken and contrite heart he will not deny. That means he loves a broken and contrite heart because it comes to a point where we're humble before God, we admit that we need him, and we can't do it without him. That's the love of God. He created you in the inmost being. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you the way that you are. As a kid growing up, my dad would go out and party on the weekends with his friend. And I remember mom, my mom and dad were 17 when they had my sister, 19 when they had me. They were still kids themselves trying to raise kids. 
he'd go out, and I remember parent, my parents fighting. My dad smoked marijuana to the early 90s. Remember him getting high with his friends. I didn't grow up in a perfect Christian home. I know what it's like to go through difficulties. They got laid off four times in the 1980s from Beach Aircraft. I remember them having to sell their home. I remember my mom crying because all she had was a jar of coins and a $2 bill that she had to tape back together. Now, we have a $2 bill that my daughter tore. You can't find those very often, so we hold on to it. But I remember all that we went through. I remember going to Kmart and mom crying because barely being able to buy me a pair of shoes. And I was one of those rough kids. She'd buy me a pair of jeans and I had holes in them within a week. You know, I'd played football and was the one that climbed on the trees, was always down in the park with my friends. And we need to get these kids off these electronics and make them do that today. I, I do that with my kids sometimes in summer. They get mad, I'll lock the door, <laughs> give them water and food and lock the door. And <laughs> Remember getting held back in first grade. In fact, just before that, we lived in, we went to, I went to Cotton Creek Elementary School and I was a little tyrant. And I remember my mom and dad signing a, signing a, a, a permission slip for the principal to spank me. And I got spanked. I'm not going to tell you the story if you want to ask me personally because it's just not a place to tell it. But let's just say I hit my teacher where you don't hit her at. And I ran to the principal's office and I got paddled. <laughs> I still remember that. We moved to another school and I got held back and the kids would make fun of me, call me stupid, call me dumb. That sticks with you. My first grade teacher said, if I could have held you back another year, I would have. She called me stupid in the, in the hallway with a kid that stays with you, that words stick with you. And I felt stupid and dumb all the way through school. I did all right. I had a 3.2 average. I think the reason why I had that is because I, my first time I ever lettered in, in academics was because I had metal shop, wood shop, and all the things that you know, uh, guys like to do. And I don't know how I got through it because I don't measure very well. <laughs> and I look at that and I scored a 17 on my ACT. I took the ASVAB test. I wasn't a good test. Anybody else do bad on tests? You get freaked out. Your brain goes blank. I didn't even score high enough to get into the Air Force. I barely scored enough to get into the Army or Marines. And I remember praying, I was going to go into the Marine Corps, and I remember praying and not having a peace about it. And God saying, the one service I didn't want to join was the Air Force, but I just said, okay, God, if you want me in the Air Force, you're going to have to give me a spirit-filled Christian recruiter. A week later, I got one. His name was Todd Goings. I still remember his name, and he attended the church that, I, that used to be in Assemblies of God, and what became a Rhema church, and I would attend their youth group, and my best friend was in that church. And I said, okay, God, if you're going to want me in the Air Force, I only scored a 42 open mechanical. That's low on an ASVAB. So you're looking at your pastor this morning that didn't even score high enough to get into the Air Force. And I said, God, if you want me in the Air Force, you're going to have to 
give me a waiver. At that time, Denver had the lowest recruiting in the nation, and they were taking 44 open mechanicals to come in. They gave me a waiver for my knees and for my test scores. I, I left for basic training. I, there were only two jobs I was qualified in the mechanical field. That was life support, which is the life system for air pilots, and I could never understand it. If that's the only two I qualified for, and I'm a guy that didn't score high enough, and you want me to take care of pilots and their breathing up, up, and, up and that's, that's, not, that's not very smart. And heavy equipment. And when you go open mechanical, you go in and they give you what you want. You don't get to pick. They give you what they want, I mean. So I'm out there, and my, our squadron building was right outside, and there was heavy equipment running, and I got this leap within my spirit. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's what you're going to do. So we started walking. You know, you're marching everywhere. And that whole day, my canteen was leaking, so I was wet like I had peed my pants. <laughs> my hair was stuck up because, you know, that was our first day. They call you before they shave your head. I had hair was sticking up because they woke us up at 3 o'clock in the morning yelling and screaming at us. And they shave your head and after that they call you rainbows. <laughs> and that day we went to our jobs description. There were two jobs open. That was life support or heavy equipment. I didn't put in for them. I didn't have a choice. And that day I found out that that's what God was going to have me do. Now go back to the past, and my seventh grade year, we moved down to San Antonio, Texas. My dad got laid off at Continental Airlines. He's an aircraft mechanic. And I, got stay, I, I, I played soccer, and I ended up playing soccer on an Air Force base. And T-37s, I still remember them taking off. And I remember as we were driving, I remember telling my mom, I wouldn't mind being a truck driver sometime when I get older. And I remember my uncle, Robert, at that time, again, it didn't, Eating all the food didn't help me grow. I'm telling you all these stories for a purpose this morning, okay? Yeah. If I'm going a little long. But I remember sitting there going, clink, 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 eating spaghetti. I ate three plates of spaghetti before my uncle was done with his. And he's a jokester, and he turned to me, and he said, I know what you're going to be when you get older. And I said, what's that? And he said, you're going to be a scoop shovel operator. I said, why? And he goes, because you scoop it up and you shovel it in. <laughs> that was all prophetic because when I went to basic training, and then I ended up going to Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri for heavy equipment school. We call it Fort Lost in the Woods, the million-dollar hole. I drove dump trucks, tractor trailers, front-end loaders, backhoes, motor graders, and that's what I ended up doing in the Air Force. God had a plan for my life. In fact, I failed my first test in the Air Force. The Army tests, no offense to the Army, I know Jared was in the Army, so and anybody that was in, but the Army tests weren't too bad. I, I could handle those. But my first test in the Air Force, I failed, and if you fail twice, you're, you're washed out and they give you a different job. So I figured I better buckle down and study, so I started going into my room and studying before the day before, and I started passing. I started to teach myself how to study. In fact, the Air Force teaches you. But you got to understand, I still had this thought that I was dumb and what? Stupid. And it took God to start changing my thoughts on that and my mind on it. When I went to Bible college at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, I graduated with a 3.97 summa cum laude. 
Even when I did Berean School of the Bible to get my credentials, the same thing. Listen, I may not be the greatest at math. I may not be the greatest at geometry. I may not be the greatest at biology, but I'm doing what God's called me to do. And regardless of what we think man says, God can take you and work with you. That old saying, God, uh, and I believe this, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I share all that with you this morning because I'm not still perfect at a lot of things. I make a lot of mistakes. I'm still learning, but God can use you. God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let him beat you up about your past. Your past isn't the past. He created you in your inmost being. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What works are they? What is he speaking about? He's speaking about himself, how God had made him. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The word fearfully there means reverential. Means that we need to look at how God made us and show reverence for God. Again, if you're saying bad things about who you are and what you are and where you've come from, then what you're telling God is, God, you've made a mistake with me. You're telling God he's a liar. And the scripture says that God does not lie. He is not a man that he should lie. In fact, Satan's the father of lies. And if he's telling you those things, that's not God. That's the devil. He says, I praise you. How many of you guys praise God? Now, I'm not talking about being arrogant or prideful. I'm not talking about, oh, God, look how wonderful you've made me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being thankful and happy that you have breath this morning. When he breathed life into Adam and Eve, it says that he breathed life into them. When Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room in John chapter 20, verses 23 and 24, it says that he, re, he appeared to them during those 40 days, and he says, now receive the Holy Spirit, and it says he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit. That same word breathe is the same word used in Genesis, which means to receive life. Do you praise God for how he's made you? Or do you tear him down? I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When God created the heavens and earth, what did he say about it? It is what? Good. Very good. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. I love this part. Do you know you're so important to God that he made you in a secret place? I really believe that, again, he made you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God said, I'm going to make this person just like this. I'm going to give them this personality. I'm going to give them this attitude. Now, that doesn't mean bad attitude, right? We choose to have a bad attitude. You know, some of us are introverts. That's okay. My wife is a quiet person. She's an introvert. That doesn't mean she's being rude. That's just who she is. For a person that talks a lot, remember, we all have different personalities, right? Aren't, 
again, aren't you glad there's no other person just like you? Some of you guys know I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Even twins aren't the same. Right? There is no other person like you. You have the personality that you have because that's how God made you. And there's nothing wrong with it. Now, we have problems with other people's personalities, and that's because some personalities clash with other personalities. People that are talkers wonder why everybody's quiet all the time, and we wonder what you're thinking. <laughs> and so us will be like, are you okay? Did I offend you? Do I, get up? I do this with my wife. She goes, I'm not mad at you. Are you sure? And then the person that's quiet is like, do they ever shut up? Will they just be quiet for a minute? You know, when COVID was going on, I'm like one of those golden retrievers. I loved it when somebody went by. I'm like, hi. I was right. I didn't care about the COVID thing. I'd run out and talk to them. And my wife was the other. She's like, oh, close the door. It drove me nuts. I had to go out and build a tree house because it was driving me crazy. When I'm sick, Stacy has to hold me into the house. The only time that I went home was just recently a few weeks, probably a couple months ago because I got the chills. And even then, Stacy had to keep me in bed because I don't like being in bed. That's just who I am. Some of you guys are hermits. You love to be in the home. It drives me nuts. I don't know how you could do that. And that's okay, because that's how God made you. I think we need to give allowances for other people's personalities. We're not all made the same way. Some of us are loud. One of my kids, she's just loud all the time. And that's okay. Do I struggle with it sometimes? Yes. But then I realize I'm loud, and that's probably where she learned it from. Look at verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. I was when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Did you, did you catch that? God made you. God chose the parents that you would have. He chose the life that you would live. He even says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You could put your name right there. God has a plan. He even knows the mistakes we're going to make. He knows the issues that we're going to have in our life. He knows the valleys and he knows the mountaintops. He knows all of that. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Look at verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Are God's thoughts precious to you? Can I tell you where God's thoughts are? Right here. God's thoughts are right here. Are they precious to you? When you look at them, do you look at them with disdain or do you look at them with joy? If you say that you're a horrible person and I don't like myself, I don't wait the way I look. Our society is so wrapped up in the vanity of self and outward things yeah. and material things. We are. I, I read a, stu a study in a magazine one recently. It was, a, it was, I, was I think we were at the dentist office, and it was actually a, a non-Christian magazine. 
and I think it was People Magazine or something like that. I'm not a big advocate of a lot of those magazines, but I was just reading it. And it was talking about how there was this island out in the Pacific. And the ladies that are born there, they're heavier set, as we would call them. When the magazines from the United States started showing up into this country, they started having problems with bulimia, 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 and anorexia. Because the ladies in that, in that island thought they needed to look like the ladies in those magazines. Solomon calls it vanity. I had a good friend of mine in the service. We were weightlifting together, and I love the weightlift. I used to be an avid weightlifter. I like to exercise. And uh, I remember both of us, and I might have shared the story with you, but we were weightlifting in the, on base in the gym. And one of our friends, Chris Endersby, was weightlifting, and he was getting all big and strong. And, you know, some guys, they have that genetics in them. Again, that's the way God made them. I could lift all my life, and I would get strong, but I could never get bulky or big, Right? But some of these guys, they only live for about a month, and you're going, what in the world? That's not fair, right? But his whole purpose for weightlifting was to beat up his father-in-law who had beat him as a child. Or no, his stepfather, I'm sorry, not father-in-law, his stepfather. And I remember sitting in the gym with my friend Adam, and I said, Adam, that's all his life has to show. If he were to die today, that body would be in a casket. All that work for what? Well, it came New Year's Eve, 1999. I'd been witnessing to Chris. I'd been sharing the gospel with him. In fact, a few weeks before, a man was killed on a scissor lift on base, and we saw it. He hit the power lines. I watched, we both watched him electrocute to death. He was electrocuted. 23-year-old man. And I remember us going out, and afterwards I said, Chris... Do you know where you're going when you die? Do you know Jesus? He goes, oh, I'll just go in a coffin. I said, no, that's not how it is. And I shared the scripture with him. New Year's Eve night. I still remember the flannel. He had a yellow flannel with black stripes that he got for Christmas. And I remember sensing the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with him that night. But I didn't. I went to a church party, a New Year's Eve party at Valley Christian Center. I came back that night, and one of my friends said, did you hear about Chris? And I said, no, he was killed in a car accident tonight. All that work for what? We put too much emphasis on things and how we look. There's nothing wrong with exercising. There's nothing wrong with looking good. But if that's more important than our relationship with God, we need to check our relationship with God right then and right now. That wasn't grammatically correct, but you get it. I catch myself when I say things that are weird. Look at verse 18. Were I to count them, he's talking about God's thoughts, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Then he goes on to talk about his adversaries. Even if you have enemies coming against you, God is on your side. It could be creditors, because that's your enemy, right? It could be Uncle Sam. We call that the IRS. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. Verse 19, If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. People that speak evil of the Lord. Now, 
This is the Old Testament. I think in the New Testament we need to pray for enemies and bless those that persecute us. But we should hate the things that God hates and love the things that God loves. Look at verse 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Anybody ever been anxious before? Anxious is worry. It's actually got a form, what we call fear. He says, test me, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any anxious thoughts. How many of you have came in here with an anxious thought this morning and worry? Maybe in the last few weeks, maybe it's a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's, again, a financial need. Maybe it's a problem with a family member. I don't know. God does. And so David says, search my heart, Lord. You know all things. You knit me together in your womb. You created me in a secret place. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I can't run from your spirit. So now, God, I'm going to tell you what's on my heart. Search my heart. <coughs> Search my heart, Lord. Is there anything in me anxious? Then he says this. Look at this. Notice he says anxious thoughts. Where does the enemy hit us in? Our thought life. Excuse me, I got a cough. It's called allergies. <coughs> he hits you in your thoughts. He sets up strongholds in your mind. I've preached on this. Then he says this, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love how David ends that. And when I pray a lot of times, I say, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything that needs to change. The church used to have that all the time. You've heard me talk about it. We call that the altar. We call that repentance. God, change my heart. Is there anything in me that needs to change? Is it an attitude change? Have I spoken about somebody I shouldn't have? Have I treated somebody bad? Are my motives wrong? Am I doing what I'm doing just to impress people? All those are things that we need to ask God. How are we treating our kids, our spouse, our finances? A lot of people don't talk about finance. You don't hear me. I don't talk a lot about money. But you know, Jesus talked a lot about money. How do you handle your money? What do you do when nobody's looking? All those things. We need to have the same heart David had. God, search me. I think if you get anything out of this message today, and if I'm putting you to sleep, that's okay. God knew that you would do that too this morning. <laughs> I'm not picking on anybody. I didn't see anybody asleep. So don't, if I nailed you on it, I didn't mean to. I, I'll give you a story one time just to make you feel better about that. I took some medicine one time. I was the preacher. I took some medicine one morning. It made my mouth really dry. If you see me sometimes get up to run out, my wife is going to say, why did you say this? You're TMI. But I have an overactive bladder, so sometimes i got to be careful if I drink something in the morning. If I don't, I'm... So if you see me get up during worship, you know where pastor's going. <laughs> because I know I won't make it through the service. So one morning, just to make you feel better, I know I'm going off on a tangent here in a rabbit trail, but I, I, I took some medicine that morning. And I took the double dosage to help me. You try preaching when your brain is going off and you're half asleep. I was putting myself to sleep that morning. Trying to drink. And you drink lots of water. And then what do you do when you drink lots of water? <laughs> so 
just to make you feel any better this morning. But guys, in all seriousness, when David writes this, remember this was David, a man after God's own heart. David is trying to get across to all of us. I really believe when he wrote the Psalms, he was singing to God. Psalms were songs. And he's singing to God. And he's realizing, God, what you made in me is wonderful. If you've ever doubted who you are in God, if you've ever doubted how God has made you, ever struggled with your personality, give it to God. Believe that he has made you fearfully and wonderfully. That he loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has a plan for all of us. And I share this all the time, but God demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died on the cross. That's the greatest act of love that could ever be performed in this world. Jesus took your place on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. He died for you and I. If I could get, Dennis, you wouldn't mind playing the piano a little bit, would you? I want to open up the altars in a minute to pray with people. And it may not be for this situation. But real quick, with every head bowed and every eye closed in here this morning. I always want to give an opportunity for somebody to come to Christ. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He's not ready to pounce on you. He's ready to embrace you. As the prodigal son came to his senses, he said, if I could just be a servant in my father's house. And when his father saw him afar off, the father ran to the son, put a robe around him, put a ring on his finger. And his son said, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. If I could just be your servant. And the father embraced him as a son again, not as a servant, but as a son and killed the fattened calf for him. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus or maybe you have but you're not where you should be, you need to come back to him. Now's the opportunity. Jesus loves you. But you have to make that decision. Are you here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God, but I want to be, I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to be in God's love and, and filled with his love and do the things that he's called me. Are you here today, this morning, with nobody looking around for a second? Are you here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need to come back to Jesus. I need to get saved. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody? Everybody's okay in here. The Bible says we can be sure of our salvation. If you're not sure, you need to make sure this morning. I'm going to give it one more time. Are you here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Or I, I was, but I'm not living for him. And I need to come back to Jesus. Everybody's saved. All right, if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I've been struggling with loving myself. I've been struggling with liking myself. I've been struggling with the things, the way God has made me. And you need prayer this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else here this morning? I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith in a minute. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and to come down front so I can pray for you this morning. I will turn off the mic. I'm not going to pray out loud. But if that's you and you raised your hand this morning, would you please make your way to the front? Whoever raised their hand, come on. I want to, I want to pray for you this morning. It's a step of faith.
love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Also something too, if, don't forget we have our meeting afterwards if you want to meet for that. Um, also too, I, we've opened up that foyer for fellowship. So if you want to go out, have a cup of coffee and fellowship, we would love that. Stay, please. Don't just go out the doors. I know some of you guys are hungry, right? So I get that. Maybe we'll bring some food sometime. I'm just kidding. But God bless you. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll see you tonight, tonight, 6 o'clock.